praise the Lord. Without a doubt, the last line of that song is so true. Jesus is in this room. We feel his presence so powerfully rich and real today. Our hope and our prayer is that we are not the only ones that are experiencing the presence and the power of the Lord right now because we want you to feel that very same thing. It is an honor to stand in his presence, common man. David said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Oh my, what is man that thou art mindful of him? What are we today that God would be in this house, that he would touch our minds and our hearts and that he would encourage us and strengthen us. And so our intention today with the help of the Lord is just to allow what we feel, what we're experiencing right now, to be shared with you in your life. Wherever you may be joining us from today, we're very thankful and appreciative. And we pray that God will anoint his word to our heart. Today, I'm going to center my thoughts around the book of 1 Kings chapter 19. Just a few verses here tells an incredible story. And with the help of God, I want to talk just a few moments about uh, the calling or the successor of Elijah, a man by the name of Elisha. I want to talk a little bit about that process and how that works out in how it worked out in his life and certainly how uh, it seems to parallel what we do today as well. In verse number 19, the Bible speaks about Elisha and the scripture says that he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. Yet in this simple setting, and I would even say it was a very common occurrence in the life of Elisha. And so in this common setting, in this simple setting, Elisha was called to do something that was destined to impact generations to come. All while he was going about his daily life. The prevailing message in this passage of scripture here found in 1 Kings is not, is not just isolated, of course, to this Old Testament passage, but I believe there are tentacles of this that are far-reaching. It reaches, as a matter of fact, into the New Testament because it, because it is the foreshadowing of the call that the disciples themselves would experience. They, too, were called of God to impact, and if I may say change, their world while they were just doing their common deeds day to day. It seems that the majority of the disciples were mere fishermen. We do know specifically Matthew served as a tax collector. And it, and it appears that Philip, James, and Judas were all tradesmen of some sort. But these were common men working a very common trade. And uh, in, this, in the middle of that setting, God called them into his service. However, when they received this call, uh, they forsook everything. They forsook their past, and they committed themselves to their future. And so today, I want to talk about the call and the commitment to ministry. Now, before someone disconnects and says, well, you know, I am not a preacher, I'm not a pastor, an evangelist, a missionary, or uh, things of that nature, I, I just want you to understand up front that I firmly believe and teach on a regular basis that we are all called to the ministry. God has called all of us, each and every one of us, in our own unique way to be involved in the ministry on some level. 
I believe that just as God was looking for, looking for disciples in the New Testament, I believe that he was also seeking them and finding them in the Old Testament. And I believe that is true in the 21st century. That as we commit ourselves to the call of God that's upon our life, we will watch God bring to birth and bring to fruition things that we never thought possible. In the book of 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse number 19, the Bible talks about Elijah casting his mantle on Elisha. Now this was something that was symbolic and it, and it seems that Elisha was in a, in a way of preparation touching the heart and the li- or the, the, that Elijah was in a way of preparation touching the heart and the life of Elisha. For sure, Elisha recognized the importance of what Elijah had done. If you know the story, you realize that, that he was never the same after that moment. When, when Elijah was, of course, taken away later in Scripture, that mantle comes back into play. But that's two different stories and two different places in time. And so the thing that I would like to point out in bringing that up is the fact that there is a difference between the calling of God and the timing of God. In verse 21, Elisha left Elijah. And it seems from Scripture that there were some natural things in his life that needed to be taken care of. We may call them cares of life, and I don't say that in a whimsical way. There were things that needed to be done before the natural ministry of Elisha could begin. One of those things were to say goodbye to his mother and his father. Of course, the second thing that Elisha was going to do I believe had some powerful implications and is somewhat the meat of what I want to talk about here today because the scripture says that he returned back to that field and to that, those oxen and to, those, to the plow. He returned back to that setting where the mantle had touched him. And then the scripture says that, that he used the equipment that he was plowing with to, cre- to build a fire. And then he slaughtered those oxen and he offered that as a sacrifice to the Lord and and uh, we can't miss the important message that's found here because Elisha was completely destroying all the elements of his former occupation. It was a sign on his part of absolute commitment to the call of God, to the ministry that God was placing upon his life. I believe in a more contemporary way of looking at that we could certainly say that, that Elisha was burning his bridges behind him. There would be no return. I will not go back to what I have been because God is calling me to something different in my future. As a matter of fact, I believe that it may have even been a little more than that in the fact that they were celebrating as a family and friends his new calling. However, he left and he followed Elijah as his assistant And for the next season of his life, we don't really know how long this was, but for the next season season of his life, Elisha was trained. You see, the elements of this story are not really far-fetched. Perhaps in the daily routine of plowing, Elisha had dreamed of doing something different or of being something different. We certainly don't have a lot of details of his life prior to this. However, Elijah came along And he was certainly a man with a purpose and a man who lived with a mission. And this is the part that we can easily miss if we're not careful. 
While we may get lost sometimes in our dreams or hopes or aspirations for our future, we need to realize that God can use someone or God can even use sometimes certain events that can indicate a new direction or a change that our life may take. I remember when I was a very young man on more than one occasion um, having ministers that prayed over me and and uh, of course, with the permission of my parents, and, and uh, they spoke words of inspiration into my heart and life. I, I was a long way removed from where the Lord would place me in later years. But I believe that those moments, and especially since they were so burned and, and made such an impression in my heart, were, were just moments and voices and events that were indicators that God is going to do something with you in your future. And so I, I must be very careful to never ignore those signs or never ignore those voices when God is going to place something upon your life, a responsibility, a role, a position perhaps. But you see, the call is only one facet that God desires to do. Thankfully, Elisha did not miss this call. He didn't, he didn't uh, write off this event as just uh, the, the, the uh, happenstance of that day. After the call, he began to realize that there is a price associated to where the Lord is trying to take me. There is a price to what God is going to extract from me. And I want to tell you today, not by way of trying to instill fear or disconnect you from the call of God or the will of God for your life. But in, in the interest of full disclosure, I have to tell you that there is always a price associated when God begins to change the direction of our life. Once a person reconciles that indeed there is a price to the call, then I believe that uh, they are at that moment ready to step into that calling. After the call, after the price, there is that actual, the doing of it, the, the involving yourself. I believe that God in his, in his infinite wisdom always provides for us a shallow end of the pool where we can uh, test the waters of what God is calling us to do. All throughout time, God has had men and women that have so willingly heard and responded to the call of God on their lives. Not to sound trite today, but I will tell you that each and every one of us are where we are today because someone ahead of us responded to the call of God on their life. They didn't see it as insignificant. They didn't see it as unimportant in the big scheme of things. They just said, if this is what the Lord would have me to do, then this is where I will occupy myself. They willingly followed after him. And of course, this happens on a large scale and many times we talk about these larger scales and because people answer the call on a larger scale, we have North American missionaries that have and are currently planting churches all across our nation in cities where there is no apostolic voice to be heard. Because of men and women answering the call on a large scale, 
We have global missionaries that are that are that are uh, planting churches and impacting lives. Not just planting local churches, but many of you are aware that. Uh, of the incredible endeavor to build and establish Bible schools so that the teaching and the training can go on and on and on. It is the insurance policy that that the ministry of, of that person, of that missionary, is not going to die when their voice is silenced. But it is the insurance policy that generations to come will propagate the gospel around the world. That's the large picture, the, the grand scale of things. But we also see that same thing happen within local churches, churches all over the world, in churches all across our nation, in churches all throughout our fellowship. There are men and women who have committed themselves to the life and the ministry of their local church. And as an end result, we have very strong and solid apostolic churches all across our fellowship Men who, and women who, who felt the call of God, they understood that call would come with a price and they committed themselves to that calling and have stayed committed to that for years. The end result of all of that has been local churches that have extremely viable ministries because someone said, if this is where God wants to use me, this is where I'm going to commit my life and future. And so we are here today, all of us, because someone ahead of us was willing to walk in the calling that God placed on their life. There are families and churches everywhere that have rich and full heritages because someone was willing to sacrifice for the sake of those that were coming behind them. I'm thankful today I'd say this with a godly pride, but I am thankful today to be a third generation apostolic. I'm thankful for grandparents who received the revelation of the Godhead and baptism in Jesus' name in a tent revival many, many years ago being held by Brother D.L. Welch. I'm so thankful that they didn't just hear a message and it flowed in one ear and out the other, but I'm thankful for the power of truth that lodged in their heart. And because of that, my mother was raised in a home and, and she could experience that same thing for herself as a result of that. I was raised in a home where I had the opportunity to have that same experience. And so I will tell you again that we are where we are today because someone ahead of us was willing to walk in the call that God had upon their life. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all afar off. Amen. I will tell you today that the only way that those afar off are ever going to experience the Lord as they should is for someone ahead of them, that's you and I, to be committed to the cause of the kingdom. I, I am thankful today for those committed people ahead of me, and I myself want to pay it forward. I want to remain committed and faithful to the call that is upon my life. Looking back at our text, Elisha heard the call, was willing to pay the price associated with the call. He left his family. He left his home. He left his occupation. He totally 
committed himself to the ministry that God had placed upon his life. Now, it's frightening to me. It is very frightening to think about what may have not happened had he not committed himself to the call that was upon his life. I don't want to belabor the issue, but I've often just thought, I wonder what would have happened in my own life had those ahead of me ignored the call that God was placing on their life. Where would I have wound up in the full scheme of things? Where would you have wound up in the full scheme of things if people before us had not said, here I am, Lord, and I'll say yes, and I'll do what you would have me to do. Just for the sake of our scripture setting and, and for the sake as one, gospel, as one a New Testament writer, for the sake of stirring up our pure mind, I want us to consider a few things that, that uh, may not have happened had Elisha not committed himself to the call of God. You think about the widow's oil supply that would have never been increased or the Shunammite woman whose womb would have stayed barren or the Shunammite woman that after she did have that promised child and he grew sick and died, she would have never experienced that young child being raised back to life again. The grain would have never been multiplied in 2 Kings 4 or think about Naaman's leprosy that would have potentially never been cleansed. The widow's land would have never been restored in 2 Kings chapter 8. And the entire army could have died of thirst. The Moabites would not have been rerouted. Disasters would not have been averted. Benadad or Jehu may not have ever been overthrown. And so when we think about the things that may not have happened, and I just say that for by way of illustration to just stir something in our heart. And I ask, what, wouldn't, what, what possibly would not have taken place if Elisha had not answered the call? And by the same token, we could pull that same thought into our very day. We could pull it into this day. And I could ask you and I could ask myself, what would happen if we decided today that I'm going to step away from what God is trying to call me into or, or I am not going to walk fully in the potential that God is trying to give birth to in my life. It's a sobering thing or at least it ought to be a sobering thing. In truth, the world and its history, I believe, would have been deprived of many miracles concerning Elisha. And I, I think often that, that we're a little reticent to say that what we are doing for the Lord is in the realm of miraculous, but in reality they are, especially if they're done under the inspiration of the Lord because we are a voice impacting another life. We are one life impacting another life. We are one generation impacting another generation. You see, God is always calling us to change, calling us to grow, calling us to step out, to step up. We might not be called to physically leave our family as is the case of some. We may not be called to physically leave our home or even physically to uh, literally to be called to, to leave our occupation. But we might have been called and we may be being called right now to detach ourselves from them enough that we can free ourselves up to do more for the Lord today than we've ever done. The cost might seem high. The price may seem high until you consider the consequences. No doubt, 
Elisha's world was better off because he lived. The Bible talks about a man by the name of, of Ezekiel. The Lord said to Ezekiel, uh, you're gonna, I'm going to send you to people that are stiff-necked. I'm going to send you to people that are hard-headed. I'm going to send you to people that may or may not hear your voice. They may not heed your ministry. They may not respond to what you have to say. But the Lord assured him with these words. He said, all of this that they might know, there was a prophet in their midst. And so today, God may just want to anoint your voice right in that office where you work or right wherever your place of employment may be so that God can have a voice in eternity of someone that was in, in the presence of others who did not know him as a witness. I certainly want to believe that what we're doing today is making a difference. In truth, it's not really enough to dream about de- being different. In truth, it's not really enough to just think about being different or wish to be different. I believe that we must dare to be different. I believe that we can dare to be different by raising our hands and saying, yes, Lord, I'm willing to pay the price and then staying that course. I want to talk to you just a moment about the call of God and I don't pretend to have all the answers today, but I just want to share a few things with you that I have received just by observation. I've often said that there are three facets to change in a person's life. Now, again, this is just an observation of my years of ministry. I believe there are three facets to a person really stepping into what God is calling them to do. I believe the very first facet of that change is when a, a person realizes there's a change on the horizon of their life but they're not willing to talk about it. They understand it. They feel it in their heart. They're not willing to talk about it. Maybe there may be a myriad reasons there, but maybe they're overwhelmed by the task at hand or they see themselves inadequate for what the Lord is calling them to do. And so they just let that resonate in their heart. I believe the second facet of that change is when you still sense that change, but you become willing to talk about that with someone, perhaps your pastor or a mentor, an influencer in your life, depending on who you are. If you're a young person, that person that that you confide in may well be your parents, and, and certainly that would be appropriate. And I believe that the third facet of change is when we actually step into the arena of change. In Scripture, God typically called people while they were working. And I think that's a powerful principle. God seems to be drawn to busy people. Once we accept the call of God upon our lives, the first change in us is that we are transformed. There's something that happens in us as the person. The second change is generally something that happens in the lives of people around us. We begin to affect and influence them. Perhaps one um, good illustration of, of this would, if we were to just consider perhaps children's or even student ministries, if you please. Amen. As, as, as we begin to accept what God is doing in our life, if God were to be calling you into that area of work, we understand that we're not there by ourselves and we're not ministering in a vacuum. And so you're impacting and you're planting seed in the heart and the lives of others. And so you're not just changing yourself, but you're changing others around you. 
The third change, and, and this may be a little bit hard to reconcile, but in truth, I believe I'm accurate here. The third change is that we impact history. We leave an indelible footprint. Consider how your life and ministry will live on in the lives of others in another generation. I certainly don't think I'm alone today when I, when I say that I have fond memories of Sunday school teachers and youth workers who have gone on to meet their reward, but they took time out of their life. They taught simple lessons, and they, they with those simple lessons, brought the principles of the Word of God. They brought them to life for me. They're no longer here, but I am. They have left a footprint. That print continues to live on in the lives of others. You see, God calls everyone he creates to become like him or to be in his image, to be in his likeness. Now, I believe there's no exceptions to this. I believe that in our flesh, we can fail to become who and what God has created us to be. And if this happens, it's only going to be because we refuse to acquiesce to what God is wanting to do in our life. And if this is the case, then I believe that we individually are going to have to accept the consequences for those decisions. Elisha serves as a great example of what we should do or how we should respond. He received his call. He was willing to step into that call, understanding that it's going to come with a price, and he committed himself to the journey. Of course, I am confident there were times that this commitment and this journey gnawed painfully into his flesh. That's true of everyone that has ever been used of God. It's just part of the price that we're called to pay. You see, long before Elisha started preaching, the Lord was preparing him through plowing. It was that diligence and the discipline that he learned while he was in the field. God said, I'm going to use you somewhere else. It's not even going to look like this. It's not going to feel like this, but I want to show you something. I want to teach you something. He would serve him well in the next phase of his life because he was going to have to plow through some tough times in his ministry just like he had to plow through tough ground as a farmer. You see, God can often go back and pull the resources of our yesterdays and make them very relevant to our todays. God's desire for our lives may not always be crystal clear. Sometimes God doesn't show us the end from the beginning. The Lord may just lay some small thing on your heart. He may just reveal some small measure of himself. We have the responsibility to hold on to that, to, to cherish it. We have the responsibility to never allow that moment to lose value in our lives. You see, it's, it's, it's a work in the making. It's a progress. And often it's a progress with details that are undefined. However, each day or perhaps seasons of our lives, different seasons, reveals another piece of the puzzle that is going to make up the whole of our life.
this dream that is fueled by faith. And this faith provides the power to get the job done. And if we'll be faithful to the call, if we will be faithful to what God has placed in our heart, if we'll be faithful to the seed God has planted in our spirit, I promise you that God will bring that to fruition. I believe it was in the month of October last year, I was uh, listening to a podcast and in this podcast, Pastor Jerry Dean from Bossier City, he was, he was being interviewed about his life and ministry. And, and uh, so many wonderful things were said in that, that interview, wonderful things. He talked about his early call to the ministry as a young child. So many of the things he said I could relate to my own self. But he talked about that early call to ministry and and in one of those experiences, he shared a few, but in one of those experiences, he said that as just a young child, that the Lord revealed to him, gave him a vision of him standing in a big coliseum preaching the word of the Lord. He described this vision as as something that was just a flash, no real details, not a whole not a whole lot to hang on to, but an indelible impression of him in a coliseum preaching. He said at the time that he had never been inside a coliseum of any sort. But he never forgot that vision. He just held on to it. God did, in fact, call him into the ministry and he spent a number of years evangelizing and, and, and then eventually wound up assuming the pastor of the, of the church in Bozier City, Louisiana. Tremendous church. Wonderful, wonderful people. But then he shared, as time turned to decades... In 2007, the United Pentecostal Church took their general conference, our general conference, to the city of Tampa, Tampa, Florida. Brother Dean had been invited to preach the global mission service during that general conference. This conference was held in a large coliseum. (laughs) And he said somewhere... In all of that, as he began to step to the pulpit that that day, God reminded him of that vision he had so many years ago as a child. And here he was, after years of being faithfully committed to the call that God had on his life, God brought that very scene to fruition. Amen. I will tell you today that if we will be faithful to the call, he will bring that to fruition in our life. I will, I will share one more story that he shared in that interview. I think it's fitting. He said when he was a young man, about 19, I believe, he said years old, he was an evangelist and a single evangelist, and he was at a conference. And, and uh, for those of you who remember Brother J.T. Pugh and oh, what an influential voice he was in the world of Pentecost. 
And he said that, that under the inspiration and the anointing of the Holy Ghost that Brother J.T. Pugh stood and said in a, in a large meeting one time, he said, one of these days, he said, it's going to take a football stadium to host the conferences that we're going to hold. And he said a few years ago when they walked into the football stadium in Indianapolis, Indiana, he said, when I walked and passed through the doors of that, of that stadium, I heard the voice of that elder that had been long gone. He said, I remembered him raising his hands and stating, one of these days, one of these days. Oh, God, give us the power, the passion, the tenacity to hold on to the dreams and the visions and the hopes that we have. I will close with these words. All of these wonderful things that happen in the life of Elijah, they're all meaningful nuggets that we should hold on to. We stand in awe, really, and we should, of the life and the ministry of Elisha, especially when you consider all the miraculous things that took place during his walk with God. If you remember anything about the life and the ministry of Elisha, you will most likely remember this, that, that one request he had of his mentor, Elijah, was that God would give him a double portion of his spirit. Admittedly, Elijah, Elijah said that was to ask a hard thing. You've asked a hard thing. But in fact, Elijah had 14 major miracles associated with his ministry. And before it was all said and done, and before history was finally written, Elisha had 28 major miracles. One of those was after Elisha himself had even passed from this earth. You see, God... <laughs> He remembers those promises. God measures the sincerity of our heart. He knows and he understood that Elijah was not fanning the flame of his own ego. He was just passionately following someone that was walking ahead of him. It was an answered prayer. And so when we relish in the end result, I think that it's only fitting that we ask ourselves, where did all this begin? Because often, if we're not careful, we'll be guilty of looking at the end of someone's life. We'll look at the end of someone's ministry and, and we'll think, well, that's what I would like to be and that's where I want to be. But if we're really going to understand the end, we really need to go back to the beginning. Where did all this begin? What was the catalyst that served to give birth to 28 major miracles? I think we can discover that answer quite simply as we look back where we started today. And that is in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 22, when Elisha went back to that field and he went back to those oxen and he went back to that plow, not to hitch them up, not to line everything up to continue going about his daily business, no. It was the day that he sacrificed those oxen to the Lord and the day that he burned the wood of that plow and said, I'm not going to need this anymore. It was the day that he totally committed himself to the ministry that God had placed on his life. And so if you are looking at someone's ministry today that you might consider to be successful, please don't look 
right there at that moment of success and think that is the sum total of it all. Because if you're really going to understand the big picture, what you're going to need to do is rewind that tape and go all the way back to the beginning. And if there has been success in ministry, then I will promise you that in its bygone pages, there's going to be a man or a woman that committed themselves to that ministry. Elisha said, I'm going to make sure there's no way that I return back there. I'm going to totally commit myself to the call of God. I will tell you today, in all honesty, I feel the Spirit of God reaching in this message, reaching for young and reaching for middle ages and even reaching for elders to say it's not too late to commit what you have into the hand of God and let the Spirit and the power of Almighty God bless what you present to Him. Stay faithful in where God is calling you. Stay committed no matter how small the vision it is that God may give you or the experience, no matter how, uh, how insignificant one message may be, if it touched your heart, hold on to that because you don't know what God is going to give birth to in your life. I'm very thankful for the power and the presence of the Lord that we feel here today. And I just want us to close this service with prayer. Join us in prayer. Would you do that right where you are? If it's at all possible, join us for prayer. And let's ask God to not only touch us individually, but pray for others around us. Pray for those around us. Let's be the Aaron and the her that will lift up the hands of those around us, making sure that we remain victorious in this battle. Lord, I thank you today. I praise you. I just honor you for the time that you have given us here this morning. I pray that your anointed power will touch our lives, strengthen us today. Lord, that no matter, no matter how small we may think or insignificant we may think a voice could be in our lives, God, help us to plant that seed, cultivate that seed. Let our faith be what it ought to be because we want to see it come to fruition. We want to see the holy anointing of your power rain down upon that. And Lord, if we live to see the end result of what you're doing, that'll be a wonderful thing. But if we don't, oh God, we want to be so committed to what you're calling us to do that we die in faith that the seed we planted has not been in vain, but it will grow and others will be changed. To those that are afar off, to those that are yet to hear, God, let us stay committed to your wonderful word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you again today for, for joining us and thank you for, for carving out a few moments in your life and letting the spirit of the Lord touch you. I would pray that when this service has ended that this is not the end, but you would let the words of the songs you've heard and you let the word of God today, let it live on in your life. Let it echo again and again and again. Not because I said it, but because it's God's word. It will work. It will change us. May the Lord richly bless you in Jesus' name.